From the University of Texas at Austin, KUT Radio, this is In Black America. Then I got into Memphis, and some began to say the threats, or talk about the threats that were out. Or what would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. The late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. would have been 90 this year had he lived out his dream for racial equality in this country. He was a man who walked among the oppressed and poor, a man who questioned unfair laws and went to jail rather than submit to them. King was a passionate fighter for civil rights, and although he died by violence, his life and teaching were dedicated to a deep disrespect for violence and its consequences. He won a Nobel Prize for Peace. His lectures and dialogues stirred the conscience of a nation. In November 1983, legislation was signed creating Martin Luther King Jr. Day, making it only the third national holiday born in the 20th century. In fall 1991, the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, where he was assassinated, was dedicated to his remembrance. On October 16, 2011, the MLK Memorial was dedicated on the National Mall. I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr., and welcome to another edition of In Black America. On this week's program, a tribute to the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., In Black America. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is considered by many as the father of the civil rights movement. Born on Tuesday, January 15, 1929 at the founding home in Atlanta, Georgia, he was christened Michael Luther King, but in 1934, Daddy King changed his name after young Martin experienced racial prejudice. 
1944 at the age of 15. He graduated high school and entered Morehouse College in Atlanta with the intentions of becoming a medical doctor, but changed his mind in his junior year. In April 1948, King received his bachelor's degree in sociology and entered Crozier Theological Seminary in Chester, Pennsylvania. In May 1951, he graduated with a Bachelor of Divinity degree and is valedictorian and student body president. In 1955, he earned his doctorate in systematic theology from Boston University. In spring 1963, King's nonviolent taxes were put to the most severe test in Birmingham, Alabama. During the mass protests for fair housing practices and the desegregation of department stores, police brutality used against the marchers dramatized the plight of African Americans to the nation at large with enormous impact. Established in 1968 by Ms. Clarita Scott King, the Martin Luther King Jr. Center for Nonviolent Social Change has been a global destination, resource center, and community institution for over a quarter century. Nearly a million people each year make a pilgrimage to the National Historic Site to learn, be inspired, and pay their respect to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. On January 20, 1986, the night before the first national celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, Ms. King spoke about her husband and the King Center. The dreams on which the center is based are bigger than any one of us, yet an integral part of all of us. And so, like all meaningful dreams, the center will endure. The center will always respond to realities, basing its programs on the needs aspirations and the aspirations of humankind. It will always stand ready in the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr. to work through programs that in a clear, comprehensive, and challenging way use principles of nonviolence in changing lives in social, economic, and political systems. The center is dynamic and in motion, and like this year's theme, is actively helping those who wish to live the dream and saying to all of us that we must not just talk about the dream, we must every day engage ourselves in living the dream. And I say to you tonight that we are challenged at the center to dream like Martin Luther King Jr., impossible dreams, and like Martin Luther King Jr., work untiringly for the fulfillment of those dreams. I can tell you the story of the center has been an impossible dream, and I'm sure Mrs. Ferris can attest to that fact. And as someone said today in our board meeting, I believe it was our chairman, he said, somehow, we don't know how, but somehow, maybe it was Lloyd Davis, our executive director of the Holiday Commission, and Mr. Hill, but there's been something very special about this holiday experience. And there have been so many things that have come together despite the fact that we've not had the funds, the resources to mobilize a nation as large and as diverse as our nation is. But somehow people got the message 
and they went on and organized themselves. It was a great example, Mayor Young, of grassroots organizing. I think I'm qualified to know because I have experienced it during the 30 years of involvement in the civil rights movement. And I can believe, and I hope you share this feeling with me, that it's not going to stop now. The bullet in Memphis could not stop Martin Luther King's spirit. because what he stood for was based on love, an enduring force, and truth that will always prevail in the long course of history. And I want to say to you, not you tonight, let us continue to walk together, to struggle together, to pray together, to keep on living the dream together. Yes, we can achieve the beloved community of which Martin dreamed and which was the essence of that vision he shared with this nation. The dream is in our hands. What will we do with it? Here in the King Center, we will keep on living it. We will keep on working. We will keep on and keep on and keeping on until America, our nation, the great nation that we love will be transformed truly into that oasis of justice and freedom and equality for all of God's children. Thank you. God bless you. In 1957 in New Orleans, seeking to build upon the success of the Montgomery bus boycott with the hope of upgrading the status of Southern blacks and America's poor, King summoned together a number of black leaders to lay the foundation for the organization now known as the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, SCLC. King was elected as first president, and he soon began helping other communities organize their own protests against discrimination. The Honorable Andrew Young, former mayor of Atlanta and U.N. ambassador, was one of King's most trusted advisors. Looking back on it, we think of those as the best days of our lives. Actually, at the time, it was, uh, and we really didn't know what we were doing. We knew things were wrong and that somebody had to do something about it. And we just stumbled along from one thing to the other till we found a way to make it work. And uh, fortunately, most of us had read a lot about India. And we understood some of the nonviolent methods of Gandhi. And we just experimented until we found out how to organize people. Nobody was trained as an organizer. We knew the black community. We knew the cities that we were working in fairly well. And uh, we learned gradually over a period of time how to get things done. What type of impact did the late Dr. Martin Luther King have on you at that time? Well, Martin was an amazing young man. He had been sort of thrust in the leadership. He never really wanted it, and yet he couldn't get away from it. And he was essentially trying to do something for other people. That kind of dedication and the sort of things that he said matter-of-factly, if a person hadn't found something that they're willing to die for, they're probably not fit to live anyway. You know, somebody dropped that on you in a joking kind of friendly conversation. It makes you think, you know, what is it that I'm willing to die for? And you begin to, to think about your life and think about other people in a new way. I mean, he was amazing that all of the things that he did, and he never lived to be 40 years old. And yet in the midst of it all, he was still privately a very easygoing, 
a friendly, joking, clowning, you know, lovable guy. In 1953, King completed his doctorate and was granted the degree two years later upon completion of his dissertation. Married at the time, he returned to the South to become pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. There, he made his first mark on the civil rights movement. King's fight for justice and equal rights began on December 5, 1955, five days after the late Rosa Parks refused to obey the city rules mandating segregation on buses. In 1956, at the boycott continued, King gained national prominence as a result of exceptional speaking skills and personal courage. Although increasingly portrayed as the preeminent black spokesperson, King did not mobilize mass protest activities during the first five years after the Montgomery bus boycott had ended. On August 28, 1963, King led a massive march on Washington, D.C. and delivered one of the most passionate addresses of his career. Even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. And every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. And the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is a faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith. We will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing, land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. 
Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. In 1963, Time magazine named him its Person of the Year. A few months later, in December 1964, he was recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. After his return from Norway, King took on a new challenge. In Selma, Alabama, he led a voter registration campaign that ended in the Selma to Montgomery Freedom March. King brought his crusade to Chicago, where he started programs to rehabilitate the slums and provide housing. In April 1968, King lended support to the Memphis sanitation workers. He wanted to discourage violence and wanted to focus national attention on the plight of the poor and unorganized workers of the city. The men were bargaining for basic union representation and long overdue raises. The strike became the new testing ground for the new direction of the Poor People's Campaign was taking, which merged civil rights issues with economic concerns. On the eve of his assassination, this was King and SCLC's second attempt at a nonviolent protest. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Civil rights leader Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was shot in the head and is now in critical condition in a Memphis, Tennessee hospital. The latest reports from Memphis say Dr. King was hit by gunfire while standing on the balcony of his hotel room just before 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. The bullet exploded in his face. He was standing at an acute angle and the bullet knocked him up off of his feet in that direction against that ledger over there. You couldn't tell it was a shot until it hit his face. It sounded like a, a stick of dynamite or a large firecracker. Police say a man wearing a dark suit dropped the weapon about a block from the shooting scene and jumped into a late model white car. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please? At 7.10 this evening, Martin Luther King was shot in Tennessee. Martin Luther King, 20 minutes ago, died. For those of you who are black and are tempted to fill with, be filled with 
hatred and mistrust of the injustice of such an act against all white people, I would only say that I can also feel in my own heart the same kind of feeling. I had a member of my family killed, but he was killed by a white man. On Sunday, August 15, 2011, some 10,000 spectators and dignitaries gathered on the National Mall for the dedication of the memorial for Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Among the speakers were a who's who of civil rights leaders, King's children, as well as President Barack Obama. President Obama urged the nation that day to celebrate the dedication of the memorial by continuing to press for the goals and hopes of the black preacher with no official rank or title who somehow gave voice to our deepest dreams and helped make the nation more perfect. An earthquake and a hurricane may have delayed this day, but this is a day that would not be denied. For this day, we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s return to the National Mall. His life, his story tells us that change can come if you don't give up. He would not give up no matter how long it took because in the smallest hamlets and the darkest slums, he had witnessed the highest reaches of the human spirit. Because in those moments when the struggle seemed most hopeless, he had seen men and women and children conquer their fear. Because he had seen hills and mountains made low, and rough places made plain, and the crooked places made straight, and God make a way out of no way. That is why we honor this man, because he had faith in us. And that is why he belongs on this mall because he saw what we might become. That is why Dr. King was so quintessentially American, because for all the hardships we've endured, for all our sometimes tragic history, ours is a story of optimism and achievement and constant striving that is unique upon this earth. And that is why the rest of the world still looks to us to lead. This is a country where ordinary people find in their hearts the courage to do extraordinary things the courage to stand up in the face of the fiercest resistance and despair and say, this is wrong and this is right. We will not settle for what the cynics tell us we have to accept. And we will reach again and again, no matter the odds, for what we know is possible. That is the conviction we must carry now in our hearts. As tough as times may be, I know we will overcome. I know there are better days ahead. I know this because of the man towering over us. I know this because all he and his generation endured. We are here today in a country that dedicated a monument to that legacy. And so with our eyes on the horizon and our faith squarely placed in one another, 
Let us keep striving. Let us keep struggling. Let us keep climbing toward that promised land of a nation and a world that is more fair and more ju just and more equal for every single child of God. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. In September 1991, the National Civil Rights Museum at the Moraine Motel was dedicated. The museum traces the history of the Civil Rights Movement from its beginning to the present. The museum was built around the motel where King stayed while in Memphis. His room and that of his aides have been kept as it was as faithful evening in April 1968. Dr. King had been in Memphis uh, prior to the assassination and prior to the uh, uh, coming in March for the for the march that uh, broke out in violence. He'd come here before and he'd stayed at the Lorraine and he this was the room that he'd usually stay in. It's a nice room, a nice uh, king-size bed. Even for that time, you know, that would have been nice. So he stayed here, and we have kept the original furniture that was in the room at the time, and it's been redone to look as it uh, did in 1968. But this is where he was the night of the assassination. That's room 307. Now, across here is room 306. And this is the room that was being occupied by some of Dr. King's aides with, mm -hmm. the, double, with the two beds in here. Uh, but this is the room that he walked out of uh, just prior to being shot. Uh, he had been in here with Reverend Abernathy and some others, and they were, as you can see, having some food. There's some catfish on the plate over there and uh, dishes and the glasses and milk and the like. And this room has been recreated to appear as it did on the evening of the assassination. Uh, and again, the furniture in the room is all of the furniture that was here at the time. One other thing that I like about this room as the visitor stands in here and reflects and reads these display lines, and they light up, you know, when it acts up. You also hear Mahalia Jackson softly singing Precious Lord, it's and that was song. Dr. King's favorite song. So it's just, it brings tears to your eyes when it, when it all is operating, you know. I was just so struck by uh, that last little line there, that just with them putting the casket on the plane there, that just tells it all, somebody said, and it's just some ordinary person, I said, we, we really lost somebody, didn't we? Let me stand I am tired oh, I am weak I Martin Luther King Jr. was 39 at the time of his death. He was shot while standing on the balcony of the Rain Motel in Memphis, Tennessee. 
This has been a tribute to the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who would have been 90 this week. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions as to future In Black America programs, email us at inblackamerica at kut.org. Also, let us know what radio station you heard is over. Remember to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station or of the University of Texas at Austin. You can hear previous programs online at kut.org. Until we have the opportunity again for technical producer David Alvarez, I'm Johnny O'Hanson, Jr. Thank you for joining us today. Please join us again next week. CD copies of this program are available and may be purchased by writing In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 1 University Station, Austin, Texas, 78712. That's In Black America CDs, KUT Radio, 1 University Station, Austin, Texas, 78712. This has been a production of KUT Radio.